thank you very much for taking the time because uh, we spoke last, I think it was September, right? Beginning of yeah. September. And then there were so many events happening at the United Nations, which you have collaborated with this UN Joint uh, Fund, uh, the investment fund for funding the sustainable development goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, now there is also the GIGA project, the um, collaboration between the International Telecommunications Union and UNICEF. And um, there was the news that uh, Elon Musk, uh, also through the Elon through the Musk Foundation, is also going to be participating in some in some ways, right? And and I know you have been involved with the this process of identifying investors. You yourself are an investor of more than 100 companies, 22 of which went public. So now you are also focusing on sustainable development issues through your companies as well. So tell us a bit what happened in September and then leading up to now, the work that you have been doing with the United Nations Broadband Commission in order to accelerate the connectivity in schools throughout the developing countries in Africa. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, I did, as you mentioned, Maya, I started my uh, career as a uh, silicon chip designer actually first and then became a venture capitalist. I've been involved in a number of companies starting in Silicon Valley that first made silicon, then communications equipment. I started an internet service provider that ended up having some connectivity, but data centers also in 10 countries in Southeast Asia in the 90s while the internet was getting built out. Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and Solomon Brothers took that company public. It was, you know, at that era, I could definitely live and see the impact of bringing internet connectivity to developing nations. Some were very developed, like Hong Kong and Taiwan, but others were developing. And, you know, obviously, the internet creates a profound impact on on society and education. And, uh, you know, after that era, I did go on to fund a number of companies in uh, kind of user interfaces um, to the web and, uh, you know, companies like, you know, Twitter, TweetDeck, et cetera, and also showed me how the internet could really affect the carriage of information, the carriage of data, and ultimately led me to, you know, meeting Chris Fabian, who is part of UNICEF Innovation. Um, he is the spearhead, along with the sp- great support of Henrietta Four, who uh, runs UNICEF, in creating what is the Giga Connect project, gigaconnect.org, if you want to look it up, which is an effort to bring broadband to every school in the world. And, you know, what's, uh, what's interesting about UNICEF is they have obviously spent many decades with the support of nations all around the world, funding and fueling and building educational institutions, schools, primary schools, grade schools, you know, all over the country, all over, sorry, the world in many countries that are developing. And they have unique access to the rooftops of those schools. We're now at a point where there's a big shift in the cost structure of technology And on those roofs, you can put a little bit of a solar panel, a little bit of a Wi-Fi or broadband backhaul by satellite or other wireless technologies, a communication system. And you can empower these schools to empower their students in a way that was never possible before. And so, you know, Chris had that insight 
And when he described it to me, I was so excited because I, you know, had lived the, as I mentioned, the older, more archaic days of laying landlines and fiber and, you know, backhaul and the scalability today is just amazing. So, uh, so over my career as a venture capitalist, I think I've, I funded so many companies, um, this company that we're using today, Zoom included, Right, have- right. And I found out that you are also one of the first investors in Twitter. Yes. I was listening to one of your interviews. The story is amazing. I love <laughs> it. I love yeah, it. You, have, you, are, you really see things where anybody, the, uh, nobody sees, you know, like before everybody else sees it. You have you know? this knack for, you know, I love Twitter yeah. and I love Zoom because they are so easy to use. And you know, the story about Twitter is like, as a journalist, very quickly, I realized that would be a great tool, you know, and indeed, you know, there are lots of journalists on Twitter. But anyway, go ahead. Tell yeah, me I, more you know, about, I, I have... about Giga and, and, and the next step. Yeah. Okay, so you know, back to the question about UN broadband and ITU. A couple of September's ago at UN General Assembly, there was a lot of critical math in a joint session of the UN Broadband Commission and the ITU, and I was greatly honored to be asked by Chris and Henrietta to, you know, give some statements to the UN Broadband Commission, along with the CEO of uh, Orange Vodafone and and One World, the satellite company. And the project got approved by the member bodies and lots of support has since come from companies like Ericsson, uh, country of Dubai, SoftBank, and of course, Elon Musk now. And, uh, you know, the thing that I think the world has to deal with is a the inequity today between, you know, rich and poor, developed, undeveloped is, is growing and growing fast. And the closure of that gap is really going to be a function of education. And unless the that large swath of people that is today unconnected gets connected, that disparity is going to grow at, a, at an accelerating rate. And, you know, if you take a snapshot of the world economy now to try to put it in kind of a big picture to understand what we're dealing with here, we have a world GDP, gross, you know, kind of economic product mostly by developed nations of around 70 trillion. We have a world debt sitting on that 70 trillion of something like 270 trillion. That debt grows about 10% a year, maybe faster actually last year because of COVID. The GDP of 70 grows 3% a year. So we're adding 2 trillion of economy and we're adding 27 trillion of debt every year. Those lines, cannot intersect. And unless somebody does something about that, we're going to face, you know, at some point that's got to resolve and we might have something like Weimar Germany for the whole world. You know, so, so the thing that has to happen, we've got 2 billion people in developed economies, 5 billion-ish in undeveloped economies. The only way to right that ship is to attach those 5 billion into the world economy in a way that they are productive, adding and consuming to flatten that stuff out. You know, it's a little bit like when, uh, you know, when China entered the World Trade Organization in the in the 90s. Prior to that, the world was kind of struggling for growth. But the opening of the market in China, the addition of up to a billion new consumers, it happened in chunks, you know, 400 million in developed cities, 
that created both a productive element to, to add productive capacity at lower prices for the Western world, and also now an emerging gigantic sucking sound of consumer demand that helped keep the boat afloat while the debt continued to build. That's got to happen next with the other 5 billion people. And the only way to do that is really to onboard everybody digitally, because you're not going to do it with, you know, kind of chalkboards and paper, which is the way things have been done in education for a long time. So the Giga Project, it's very foundational to this world's future. And when I understood what Chris was trying to do, I was just floored by, by the ambition of the effort and also by his comprehensive view of the things that could be done beyond just the connectivity layer. In the 90s, when the internet got rolled out, people got connected and things grew on top of that later. But he has a very comprehensive view of how to attach these schools and add them to the digital economy quickly. So if you look at gigaconnect.org, you'll see a number of things associated with it. It's not just the connectivity layer. It's the addition of the marketplace functions that can come with digital connectivity, whether it's marketplaces for energy, marketplaces for the broadband connectivity itself, marketplaces for the transaction layer of, of goods. So it's, it's a very pioneering effort in that um, Chris was able to get, for the very first time in history, the United Nations to sanction a cryptocurrency fund. So uh, I helped him re-announce a, a cryptocurrency fund at the, uh, uh, the Crypto Finance Conference, St. Moritz, about a year ago in, uh, in Switzerland. And that fund allows donations both in Ethereum and Bitcoin to fund this project. And it's also the root of some of the structures that will be enabled by this connectivity layer of GigConnect that will include digital wallets. So that you know, young people, as they are onboarded, will be able to earn rewards for doing their work, for doing their homework, for being productive, and they'll be able to transact. So they'll be onboarded a lot faster than the old world where you teach a kid with a chalkboard, wait 18 years till they grow up, they go look for a job, they get a paycheck. It's, it's, they're going to be onboarded really at a very young age to be productive in this economy quickly. So it's a yes, wonderful. Yeah, that's a, a very interesting because UNICEF already also had an investment fund that was investing in startups and they realized that the lack of connectivity would, wasn't permitting some of these companies to scale up, scale up as quickly in, in Africa, in sub-Saharan Africa, for instance, right? So yeah, the ambitious uh, the ambitions that the UNICEF and ITU have now are very well positioned. And uh, uh, given also the crisis, the sanitary crisis now, we have seen, you know, that this gulf between the haves and the have-nots in, in the digital space is uh, has to be addressed. We cannot find any more excuses. Three and a half billion people are not connected, are not online. And, and in, in, you know, for, for the economy as a whole, in, in, indeed, the global economy, we need to be connected. So how was working with the UN Broadband Commission helped? Uh, how has worked with them helped to uh, ad advance the projects? Well, it's obviously, you know, it's such an august body of members with really, uh, you know, kind of well-placed people to affect change. Um, that joint session was chaired by uh, Carlos Slim, 
And uh, there were many other, you know, heads of major telecommunications or representatives of major telecommunications companies from all over the world, uh, people representing kind of the ministries of digitization, if you want to throw kind of a bigger, you know, uh, universal word around it, uh, attending that meeting. So it was a wonderful forum to put this idea in front of people that could affect change in a very broad way. And I think it, it surfaced a lot of support and unanimity around a way to try to address the problem and make a big difference in this world. So I thought it was a wonderful forum for that. Yeah, indeed, the UN has this power of convening uh, country members, which is much more disjointed if you're going, uh, the private sector goes after, you know, different governments. Of course, technology companies have been doing this for decades, but it, it makes sense that you come through the UN, the convening power, the capillarity that the UN has through its regional local offices too. So tell us about the participation of um, the Musk Foundation now, in this next uh, phase of Giga? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Elon, of course, he's an iconic world figure in so many ways. Uh, you know, he's always pushing the envelope in bringing state-of-the-art technology to, to lower the friction to a digital life, whether it's through cars or through satellite connectivity or through, you know, power generation through solar with what he did with Solar City. Um, mm -hmm you know, rockets, <laughs> you know, taking us off the planet if all the stuff that we're trying to do doesn't work. Uh, you know, so having him add to the support base along with the other folks helping, you know, whether it's Dubai or SoftBank or Ericsson, or it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's another um, kind of endorsement from a world figure, a, a leading entity, a, a thought leader in, in today's world that, that I think will continue to, to give this project more and more momentum. Just, it's wonderful. Yeah, and in which ways is it going to be collaborating? Is that uh, what shape it will take? Well, you know, he's written a big check. So first of all, he's a financial backer of the project through the Musk Foundation. Um, he's not put constraints per se on how that capital will be used, but uh, Chris, I think, is directing those funds toward this early assessment of where to strategically place the giga nodes. You know, so so he's doing. Uh, Chris is basic. Chris and team are basically defining um, the map. You know, because I don't I don't know the number of schools that UNICEF has touched over the years, but it's a lot, and mm -hmm. they're everywhere. So um, there wasn't really sort of an accounting back when they were being built of where are they with a satellite image of, you know, where they sit to then understand what is the right way uh, to connect them wirelessly? What is the pattern under which the choices will be made to make sure that there's optimal access per population density? So, so there's a lot of sort of data science work that's happening up front. Um, combination of satellite imagery, mapping the places, uh, map overlaying population, looking at um, kind of GDP around that area to see where they can be most impact. So those kinds of things are being done with some of the funds. Um, there's secondarily a, a layer of things above and beyond the pure connectivity layer that, uh, as I mentioned, you know, the connectivity, it's just a pipe. 
it's like you know a, a pipe that allows the electrons to flow. But what's encapsulated in those electrons matters. So to the extent that there can be economic activity generated by those connections, you need sort of an accounting layer, which is going to be blockchain. So he's using very modern technology. And uh, so there's an accounting layer that is, you know, what asset sits where sitting on a set of blockchains. Um, there's a transaction layer. How do those things get connected back and forth to other people? And then thirdly, uh, you know, an applications layer. So, you know, do those get wrapped in fintech applications? Do they get wrapped in educational applications? What are the other functions that allow people, once they are educated in, in the new world, to, to be economically productive? So all of those things are being thought through. And I think uh, Elon's capital is helping to make sure that that gets done right. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Bill Tai, a pleasure speaking with you once again. And uh, well, great, great to hear of all these ambitious projects and, and your participation on it. And again, congratulations for Zoom and Twitter, <laughs> my favorite applications at the moment. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to, very much. Thank you. I got to give my partner, George Zachary, when I started the Charles River Ventures office in, uh, on the West Coast, I hired a very unique gentleman named George Zachary. He had funded the predecessor company to Twitter called Odeo. Twitter came out of that. And that's how we ended up doing this the first seed bridge into Twitter. And then later on, I funded TweetDeck myself. But it was a yeah, wonderful, wonderful journey to bring you know back to my mind after, I don't remember what year that was. It must have been 2006 or something. So mm -hmm. 15 years ago. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank Bill you. Tai, pleasure okay. speaking with you. A bientôt. Thank you.